Welcome to the Cabling Podcast. Remember to punch down on that like button. And also, subscribe to Cabling News. Hello and welcome. We're here today with Josh Snowhorn, founder and CEO at Quantum Loophole, an operator of data center campuses in the gigawatt scale. Josh's key founding and executive positions include time spent at Terramark, Verizon, Cincinnati Bell, and Cyrus One. Josh also founded the Global Peering Forum, the annual meeting for the internet interconnection and peering community, where he serves on the board of directors. And he serves on the advisory board of Telescent, which we've covered at CINM, uh, a maker of a uh, of automated automated uh, interconnection uh, technology for uh, for data centers and enterprises. So thank you for joining us here today, Josh. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And um, sort of the premise for our talk, uh, last uh, August, uh, cabling installation maintenance reported on the uh, groundbreaking of uh, the Q-Loop, a 43-mile hyperscale ring uh, connecting uh, the 2,100-plus acre uh, Quantum Frederick Data Center development site in Maryland, which I wanted to ask you about. Um, to the Ashburn, uh, Virginia connectivity e ecosystem. So I wanted to see if I could get an update, uh, if we could get an update on uh, progress uh, for uh, both the uh, the Frederick data center site, which I think was a separate uh, story that we covered, and then the uh, and then the fiber ring uh, with uh, the Q loop. Absolutely. Uh, I guess starting on the campus itself, we're well underway on the horizontal infrastructure, which includes the campus is three and a half square miles. So the it's it's actually building at city scale um, and pre-planning out that infrastructure for sewage, water, potable and non-potable water, and uh, uh, substation infrastructure, underground electrical. But it, most important for for this podcast is the underground fiber infrastructure, um, linking up Network Center One and Network Center Two which are kind of like giant horizontal meet me rooms at multiple acres themselves. And uh, so we have up to 60 uh, conduits in some cases interconnecting uh, in uh, the two network centers. Um, on the Q-Loop side, we, we have completed our South Potomac River boring, which was over 3000 feet and it goes 91 feet below the bedrock of Potomac. Um, and that, that was a huge 26 inch HTPE sleeve that was pulled through and then 34 two inch ducts inside of that. That's been completed, improved, and vaults have been put in place for that one. Uh, terrestrial construction has started. So we have multiple crews actually working, laying in the 34 ducts buried uh, deeply to accommodate the most extreme security standards, and have been laying down those vaults, uh, mostly along our transmission right-of-ways, which is about 48% of our route. And uh, we are about 2,000 feet away from completing our North Potomac Crossing with its 36-inch back ream, and then pulling the sleeve through that. It just sounds like such a uh, huge uh, project. Um, you know, what was the uh, origin for the uh, for the project? I mean, I think um, one of the uh, preliminary stories that we also uh, uh, published at CINM last year was uh, uh, Quantum's uh, partnership with uh, Aligned uh, Data Centers. Is that accurate it is uh so quantum loophole and what we do we actually don't build data centers ourselves we supply land energy water and fiber or conduit 
Um, so we call those the elements of the data center business. So Aligned Aligned is our first customer. They have closed on the acquisition of 75 acres of land. And I believe they're well underway with their permitting process and, and are preparing to construct hopefully their first building by the end of the year. Um, that, that's in preparation for permanent transmission scale power. Uh, the first 240 megawatts come online around this time next year. And then there's tranches of substation to go well over two gigawatts of power inevitably. Uh, the impetus for creating quantum loopholes really that we, we saw a gap in the industry. There wasn't anybody providing just those baseline services and entitlement preparation of sites so others can go and just have an easy button to build their data centers. So we felt like we had a unique offering and it's proven to be true. Um, we have lots of customer demand and, and lots of uh, big um, scale and entities going in. We've sold several conduits. I can't say who, but we've sold several, several conduits already. So that's already well underway as well. I have to ask you about uh, one line in uh, in the press release about quantum uh, loophole uh, employing a dig once uh, approach uh, by placing all conduits at once uh, mm -hmm. <clears throat> to ensure support for uh, future uh, campus uh, expansions. Um, you know what's what's the origin of of that mindset uh, with the dig once approach? I mean, is it kind I, of jumped out yeah, it's it's important to do something like that. You're really trying to just prevent cuts, prevent the problems that happen when somebody goes through, you know, the famous backhoe pictures you see on a shirt somewhere, you know, where they where they tear up a bunch of duct. In our case, you know, we we'll, we'll we can hold over 235,000 strands of fiber in our primary system. Um the whole thing is designed for 6912 fiber trunks. So imagine a backhoe pulling that up and the splicing hell that would ensue afterwards to repair it. So dig once means, you know, put it all in place and, you know, hopefully we don't overbuild. Hopefully we don't underbuild. Hopefully we got it just right. Um, and we're able to accommodate that. I, I built Nap of the Americas way back in 2000 in Miami, and we put 184 four inch ducks into that building. That was too much. So, you know, it, <laughs> you know nobody, nobody would have expected the density of, of fiber systems that have, has really gone on. And there's further density coming. Um, lower micron fibers and things like that to really squeeze the same amount into two inch ducks. But We'll see. So I think we've done a good job of of planning something for the next uh, you know decade or two. But you know, we'll see. Uh, well, I'm glad uh, that we're talking about uh, fiber and uh, splicing. It takes me to uh, my next question. Uh, working with a high fiber count cable like uh, 3456 mentioned in the in the press is quite different from working with uh, 144 fiber cable, mm -hmm. uh, which the world used to consider high fiber count. Was it necessary for your installers to level up on their splicing skills or any other installation skills to get comfortable uh, working with uh, this uh, high fiber count fiber? It's definitely going to be difficult and it's going to be cracker jack crews. But if if you look at the image I'm holding up here now, this is a 6912 fiber trunk from Corning. And if you look, this is their rocket ribbon. Um, each of the colors that you see are 144 count. So it, it, you know, if you think about a splicer laying out ribbon and working on a color, essentially they're doing 144 count sections. Um, the the difficulty is going to be in laying out the trays and trying to bring up these 6912s in or 3456 cables in, and then laying them out in trays and organizing that. That's going to be a lot of work. Um, it'll be impressive, and it's going to keep uh, several splicing companies busy for years. So that's good news. Um, <clears throat> Uh, so, uh, 
In what I've read, uh, it mentioned uh, that the, the network having a radius that uh, will accommodate uh, 6912 fiber availability. Um, have your teams been working with that fiber count yet? And if so, has there, has there been a noticeable difference between it and the uh, 3456 uh, fiber cable? No, we've, we've definitely spoken to a lot of different vendors. Um, in our case, we we're putting in a 3456 to start, and that's our cable piece going in. Um, the unusual part of our system is that the vaults and the bend radiuses of the entire system are designed to accommodate 6912. Doesn't mean everybody's going to put it in. It's expensive. It's heavy. It, it obviously has its own splicing issues going in. So we, we always say we have a capability to go over 235,000 strands, but I can't promise that's what's gonna happen in the end. Somebody might put a 432 in or something like that. I think they're insane, but somebody might do that and waste a big expensive conduit, but you know, we'll, we'll see in the end. Um, the, the, I, I think the vaults and, and managing it once everything is fully loaded, if everybody does do 3456 and 69.12 is gonna be pretty difficult to say the least. Okay, well, that is uh, good uh, food for thought uh, for our audience. So um, the next thing I have to ask you about is this uh, <clears throat> telescent uh, or telescent uh, system uh, that uh, the project is employing for uh, automated uh, robotic uh, cross connections. Uh, we saw that uh, system uh, displayed at uh, at Bixie uh, a couple of years ago. So uh, can you give us uh, just a bit of a, uh, no pun intended, a drill down on what's happening with the uh, Telecent uh, automated uh, robotic uh, cross-connect uh, system? Sure. It really comes out of a, a need to to change how people do interconnection. Uh, your, your classic way of doing it is either truck rolls to a remote hut or something like that, um, or to you know, having 24-7 staff with ticket open, you know, tickets open and, and hopefully you no know, RX, TX, TX reversals and everything else going in play. But when you start thinking about the scale of what we're building, a, a data center city with more power ever deployed to a single location than anyone's ever seen, and more fiber strand count coming into a single location than anyone's ever seen, that 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 really starts to bring in a need for change. It, it won't all be telecent. It'll be a bit of a combination. You'll have your traditional patching because it just kind of has to happen. But the telecent machines do something quite unique in that we can, we can uh, give the control of the interconnection to the client. So they can use a portal uh, via an API, log in, and, and enable a cross-connect in two minutes without us ever touching it, as long as the machine has been pre-patched, which we intend to do. Uh, the bigger picture of that is that they have the same machine on their campus in their building, and then maybe they have the same machines located in Ashburn and in Manassas, let's say 20 buildings, and they want to enable an interconnection. The machine has a built-in OTDR. They can punch light out. They can they can verify the connection and do twenty connections at the same time, all in two minutes, and batch a job. And maybe do multiple. They could do a thousand connections in two thousand minutes theoretically across twenty locations without a human being touching it. That's game changing. That that really creates flexibility for outages. Creates uh, uh, you know hopefully a reduction in truck roll and, and labor costs and a more rapid delivery of interconnection. Thank you for that. So, um, and forgive me if you covered this in your uh, beginning remarks, but what is, um, what's the roadmap for the rest of this year? What's, uh, what's going to be happening with, uh, with QLoop? How many, how many sites are, uh, and again, forgive me if this was uh, stated clearly, but how many sites uh, are, are 
total are being connected uh, by uh, by the Q loop and and what's going to be happening uh, for the rest of this year with it. Well, it's literally hundreds of sites, uh, hundreds of data centers, but but we don't actually touch those other data centers once we get into Loudoun County. Um, once we cross the Potomac, which is uh, which is insanely hard to do, I now know why nobody tries to do it because it's that hard. <laughs> we're we're it's just been nothing but a struggle to get it done, but we're doing it. I I don't think anybody's going to try and do it again for a long time. But is that in terms of engineering or? Uh, just machines blowing up, cost, uh, you know, the approvals, you know, going nine stories below the bedrock of the Potomac is insane. Um, so the costs are through the roof. Uh, yeah, it, you name it. It's hard. Just I, I cannot think of a single thing that was easy about what we've done. Wow. Um, but what we do is we 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 drop down. We have over 500 vaults on the 43 mile ring. And those vaults are designed to create a, a massive intersection of splice points so that people can tie into the system. We're a wholesaler to the wholesalers. So our goal was not to go build throughout the entire Ashburn corridor and interconnect every building and be another competitive carrier. We wanted to be a support mechanism to create an expansion of that ecosystem. So by just dropping into Leesburg and then looping off, our system comes down from the north and the south and then crosses over and loops off. And with a, with a much higher vault count at the lowest southern reach, it allows folks like Summit and Fiberlight and Zeo and, and everybody else you can possibly imagine to splice in and carry interconnection services to the hyperscale industry and multi-tenant industry or the interconnection industry. We're able to just be a support mechanism for that ecosystem. Thank you for that. And um, <clears throat> uh, sort of to wrap up, uh, any uh, <clears throat> any closing remarks uh, on the uh, data center uh, industry uh, as a whole, uh, particularly as it uh, relates to uh, fiber uh, broadband? One, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a frog in my throat here. <clears> throat> um, you know, one thing we've been focusing on with uh, cabling is how uh, with uh, this. Uh, you know, massive outlay of uh, fiber uh, broadband uh, infrastructure uh, in the country uh, to uh, close the uh, digital divide, so forth and so on. Um, you know, this is backing up uh, into the data center and, uh, and uh, you know, having uh, an impact there in terms of uh, just the amount of uh, connectivity uh, that is going into data centers. Any uh, 35,000 uh, foot view type uh, words here for uh, our, our audience on uh, all of those dynamics. Sure. Uh, we've been approached a lot around that. And we we actually just gave a presentation to um, Governor Westmore of Maryland um, and his entire cabinet in Frederick uh, explaining how we're going to be a benefit to that. So I'm, I'm up to date on that one and give you a quick response. We we our, our ring is only 43 miles. So call it 21 and a half miles on each leg we've done everything we can to shorten latency and distance so that we can reach into the existing internet ecosystem within the tolerances that are acceptable for the hyperscale industry um, for AZ to AZ interconnection and failover for the cloud instances they might have. But the benefit of what we're building is that we're going through a rural farm community en route to our campus, which is a former Alcoa smelter, so a former industrial site, and that creates a, a, a benefit or a catalyst for others to build off of our system. All of those vaults I mentioned previously allow other folks who need to reach rural communities using maybe federal funding or doing their, their you know, fiber pass buys, which you see from 
uh, from Verizon and and Comcast and you know uh, Gigapower, which is the new AT and T venture, and Lumen and everybody else, they're all trying to pass homes with fiber. So when we build these trunks in our systems like ours, it creates a high speed, high volume capacity system to to enable that and be an accelerant for it. Unfortunately, we're just not everywhere, so we can't be the you know the ones actually doing it. It's not core to what our expertise is. But we'll do the same thing in other regions of the country. Um, we're always going to be within a certain latency metric of the internet exchange point or the airport of the internet that exists in those markets, and we'll tether into that. and And hopefully, along those routes, we create a a beneficial ecosystem to the communities. Very good. Uh, thank you for that. Well, uh, <clears throat> Josh Snowhorn, uh, founder and CEO of uh, uh, Quantum Loop, Paul, uh, thank you very much for joining us today here on the Cabling Podcast. My pleasure, Matt. Thank you for having me. Bye now.